www.disneytimepodcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Nelson. Hello. And Rissa. Hello. How's it going today, guys? Doing all right, but the Niners lost. <laughs> yeah, Dang sad it. day. <laughs> yeah. All right, so today's episode, we're going to be looking at another Disneyfication of existing stories. And today's story we're going to look at is The Princess and the Frog. So. Let's take a look at this. Brissa, you want to go over the summarization? Yeah, so I'm going to have two summaries here. It's based off of, one, the Brothers Grimm version, and two, a novel by Baker. All right. In the Brothers Grimm version, a spoiled princess reluctantly befriends the frog prince, whom she met after dropping a gold ball into a pond. He retrieves it for her in exchange for her friendship. In the Grimm version, he magically turns into a handsome prince when the princess threw him against the wall, instantly regretting her actions. In modern versions, the spell is broken when she kisses the frog. So in the Baker novel, it's named The Frog Princess, which the 2009 film is loosely based off of. Emeralda, uh, her nickname is Emma, is the princess and heir of Greater Greensward. When her mother, Queen Chartreuse, says she has to marry the stuck-up Prince George from East Aradia, her worst enemy, she runs off to the swamp where she meets Prince Eadric of Upper Montevista. However, Prince Eadric has been turned into a frog by the witch Mudine. Emma reluctantly kisses him, trying to reverse the spell, only to be turned into a frog herself. They set off to find the witch in order to be changed back. A dog ends up chasing them throughout the journey. When they reach Mudine's house, they find an ugly woman there who is actually Vonnaby, a vain witch wannabe. They enlist Gracina, a green witch and aunt of Emma, for help, and it's revealed that Emma was turned into a frog due to wearing a curse reversal bracelet. It was stolen by an otter, so they have to go retrieve it in the swamp. Eventually, they succeed and they turn back into humans. The dog transforms as well and turns out that it was Yadric's horse. The otter turns out to be Gracina's old beau, Hayward, who was cursed by Gracina's witch mother. Both couples make plans to convince their respective parents that they've found their own true loves. Wow, okay. That book, The Frog Princess, was a novel written in 2002 by the author E.D. Baker. So the film version was in 2009, so that's how you can see the relevancy there, right? Right. All right. So let's take a look at the differences between, I guess, the two stories and the Disney difference here, how they changed it up. So in the, I don't know about the Grimm, but the Baker novel, it was set in a fictional land. They didn't really say in the Grimm one if it's fictional or not, right? No. I'm assuming it was. Yeah, because of magic and whatnot, right? Right. And in the Disney change, we see that it was set around 1912 to 1926 New Orleans with the introduction of Maldonia, Prince Naveen's country. So what do you think about this difference, Rissa? 
I think it's interesting that Disney chose to explicitly say it's New Orleans in this time period. I'm not sure if their purpose was to introduce it into New Orleans Square for parks and whatnot, but it's definitely different than their other earlier Disney movies. Because if you look at Little Mermaid, it's set in a fictional land called Atlantica in the bottom of the ocean. And Beauty and the Beast, we think it's France, but we don't know where exactly in France. So for all we know, it could be a province that's fictional as well. So it's different that they're explicitly saying this is the New Orleans as we know it in the 20s. What do you think of this difference, Nelson? Yeah, I was pretty surprised when looking back in all the other movies that we've covered that this movie in particular, the Disney Princess and the Frog, that they specifically did say New Orleans. So yeah, Rissa made the point that I noticed that they were very specific, that the setting here that we're watching in this movie, and it's in New Orleans. All the other movies kind of implied that it was a fictional area of some sort. Sure, I was going to mention also in Beauty and the Beast that it was kind of implied that it's France because they mentioned French a few times. <laughs> but yeah, for all we know, it could be somewhere that actually never did exist. So yeah, it's quite different. The Disney movie, as far as I could tell, they were pretty accurate with all the people there, the setting and the feel. I feel like they did their homework. I'm no expert here, but it was pretty convincing from my point of view. Yeah. I actually like that they use New Orleans because it's relatable to a lot of their audience. We live in the U.S. and a lot of their audience base was in the U.S. so they can relate to the place. But there are other movies where you can still try to relate because it's fantasy. But this one, I think they were just trying to change it up a little bit and make it a little bit more modern instead of old and fictional. And I was also kind of thinking that I guess Disney wanted to introduce a princess for America. Oh, right, right. Other than Pocahontas. Well, <laughs> wasn't she removed, quote unquote, from the Disney princess list? I think I she's think still she's, in the yeah. lineup because oh, she was okay. she was in Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph, yeah, yeah. Sure enough, yeah, you're right. I right. think they just try to like downplay it though. Pocahontas or yeah, this one? Pocahontas. Okay. Because that one's kind of controversial in its own respects. <laughs> yeah, but I think this one, they did want to have a person of color. So I think that's maybe why they chose New Orleans. Okay. The next difference we see here in the book or the novel, Emeralda is a princess of a kingdom with a laugh like a donkey. And then in the Disney animated film, you see Tiana is a young aspiring chef with a rich best friend named Charlotte LeBeouf. Tiana's mother reads them the story of the frog prince, and Charlotte, who's a hopeless romantic, finds the story to be romantic, while Tiana says she'd never kiss a frog. Rissa, what do you think about this difference here? So this is a little bit different because in Disney's version, they make sure that Tiana isn't a princess right off the bat. She's not well off compared to her friend Charlotte LaBeouf. Her father is some type of baron, like an oil baron or something like that. Yeah, he's just like a rich dude. Yeah, he's super rich. So it's really fitting with the time period that they chose. And they really wanted to focus on having Tiana come from nothing. And it's really a rags to riches kind of story. Whereas in the Baker novel, she's already a princess. So she's well off. And the, her only feature that isn't likable is her laugh. The laugh of like a donkey. Right. <laughs> it's off-putting to her suitors. So what do you think about this change, Nelson? Well, the detail for Emeralda, that's uh, pretty interesting. Obviously, that wasn't really mentioned in the summary. but. If that was one of the off-putting things about her, that's kind of mean. 
<laughs> for the suitors because of just that one thing. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> There's plenty of people who have, you know, everyone has their own unique laugh. So that's kind of mean to judge her based off of that. Well, I think yeah. she was also kind of spoiled and selfish because of the fact that she was a princess. Oh, so she was kind of exploiting that fact? Oh, yeah, well. and she had a braying laugh that is comparable to a donkey. Oh, well, if you put it that way, then I guess that was just the cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in comparison to Tiana here, I was actually kind of scared the first time I watched the Disney movie where it showed Charlotte being Tiana's best friend because... I was kind of scared that Charlotte might turn on her later, but she's really a good friend. I was happily surprised because Charlotte was the entitled, per se, or it might be primarily because her dad is very well off, and so therefore she is. So I didn't know if she was going to abuse that at some point, but it really just showed a good close friendship between Charlotte and Tiana. So I was actually happily surprised by that and happy that they went with that route instead. So for me, the way they started it off, it made it seem like Charlotte was supposed to be destined to be the princess. Yeah. Because Tiana's mom is telling the story and then Charlotte is really taken to it and she wants to marry the prince, right? And then when they get the chance to meet the prince and marry the prince or whatever, the prince comes, Naveen, she's like all over it, like she wants to be the princess, you know? So it's kind of like, oh, so Tiana is the anti-hero i don't know what the unexpected she's a reluctant yeah hero. reluctant hero like she doesn't want to be the princess and yet she ends up being the princess type of deal right right like a luke skywalker <laughs> yeah the reluctant hero archetype yeah all right so let's take a look at the next difference here we see in the book the novel emma has an arranged marriage with a prince that she despises and in the disney change again you see tiana's focus is not marriage and you also see that Naveen was cut off by his parents for being a philanderer and a spendthrift. So he intended to marry a rich southern belle. Charlotte becomes his mark due to her rich sugar baron father. All right, Rissa, what do you think about that? Yeah, so this is the difference really from the Brothers Grimm and Baker compared to Disney where the princess was already supposed to be betrothed to some other prince. In the Grimm, it's not really spelled out. But you can assume that being a princess, she already has somebody she's betrothed to. Whereas in Disney, it's really the focus, like we were saying, Tiana is a reluctant hero here because she's not really focused on marriage at all. It's not even in her mind. And you can see that when her mother was reading the story to her, her dream is to open that restaurant that she wanted to open with her father. So we can see here that if it were a different telling of a story, Charlotte probably would have been the one to become the true princess here. So what do you think about this difference, Nelson? Yeah, so with the original book, it was a princess. And with the Disney change, they kind of flipped it and made Prince Naveen be the actual royalty here. Sure, they gave him a little bit of backstory of why he's gone off on traveling and hoping to get riches back because he wants his old lifestyle back because his parents cut him off. <laughs> so his plan was to just go off and marry some rich Southern Belle, as you had explained. So yeah, it was pointing towards Charlotte being the quote unquote princess for this movie. But as it turns out, like as you guys have both already mentioned that it turns out it's Tiana instead and it's not on her radar at all. So it's kind of, I don't want to say 
backwards <laughs> but it's just the unexpected happens for her and the big difference here being that the baker book focuses on the princess being the mark versus here in the disney change it's a prince so it's opposite gender here all right so let's take a look at the actual curse that happened here in the baker book we have prince edric was turned into a frog by the witch Mudin, who turns out to be Emma's aunt, Rosina. And in the Disney difference, we have Naveen, who was turned into a frog by a voodoo witch doctor named Dr. Facilier after convincing Naveen and his valet Lawrence that he could make their dreams come true. Naveen becomes a frog, and Lawrence takes on Naveen's appearance in order for Lawrence to marry Charlotte. Facilier's plan is to kill Labouf and split the fortune with Lawrence while secretly keeping the larger sum for himself. So what do you think about this difference, Rissa? So this is where you really see Disney's departure. The whole premise behind Naveen turning into a frog was because Disney introduced another villain here. This is part of their Disney formula where they have clear-cut hero and a clear-cut villain. And their villain here is Dr. Facilier, who's pretty much a manipulative opportunist. He wants to use his voodoo power to become super rich. And we see him doing that by trying to get rid of Naveen and capture him in a cage as a frog and then using Lawrence because he's an idiot, so to speak, or he just is an idiot that he can manipulate into doing his bidding. So yeah, this is a clear departure from the Baker novel where it's not really detailed why Prince Edric was turned into a frog by her aunt, but the reasoning behind here is really a, a big departure. Nelson, what did you think of the difference between the book and the movie for Naveen being turned into the frog? I don't really have much to add because Rissa kind of just mentioned everything that I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, don't be. It's all good. This is a Disney movie, right? So, of course, they're going to follow their Disney formula. So not necessarily the next point, but there is a point to introduce the villain. And the villain here being Dr. Facilier. I don't know if this is <laughs> because this is America. His driving reason or driving force here is for money. <laughs> yeah, it's usually power or money. And right. he has power with friends on the other side. So he goes to money. Yeah, which is uh, turns out to be a dangerous deal here. Oh, yeah. Like, were they really friends to him? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were also opportunists. Right, yeah. So it seemed like Dr. Facilier having those friends on the other side, those friends, they benefited having Dr. Facilier being a medium between their realm, I guess, mm -hmm. into the actual real world as they know it. So, and he had a pact with them, I guess. I, they didn't really give that much backstory for Dr. Facilier other than the fact that he had to grow up on the streets and worked his way up just trying to live. And he somehow learned these voodoo powers and made those quote-unquote friends. So Disney here introduced the villain for this movie. I find it pretty interesting that they tried to incorporate voodoo culture because it's New Orleans. That's one of the things that's unique to New Orleans is this whole voodoo aspect. I don't know if it's played out, but I've seen it used a lot, you know, in different forms of media and whatnot, that they try to show voodoo's bad or whatever. I don't know. They relate it. So a little backstory for The Princess and the Frog is actually, for this movie, they had to go through a lot of iterations of it. 
there were a lot of different distasteful and problematic things that they had initially in the first iteration of The Princess and the Frog, where there was a heroine named Maddie, which is really close to the term Mammy. And her original career was a chambermaid. So it's kind of like they went to archetypal of the New Orleans culture back then, moving from slavery to that type of stuff. So they did a lot of changes. And I think it's telling of why they chose New Orleans, because it's easier to have a fantastical... They have that culture of voodoo already in there, and it's easy for the translation, especially being set in the 20s. Okay, cool. Yeah, I also feel like they wanted to kind of focus in on Tiana being that strong character Yeah. Type. Yeah, because she has that drive and motivation. Like you see her working lots of shifts to save up the money so that she can try to buy that mill, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a good role model for girls to see. She's got her heart set on this one dream, and she's doing everything she can to reach it, no matter what. And then they show that the guy trying to sell it to her made it really hard for her to buy it because of the price. He raised the price on her when it was originally one thing, and then they made it more expensive. So her money's like, oh, how am I going to afford this, right? Yeah. I think we talked about this during the What If episode, too, where... Yeah, We were saying, is it because her father wasn't there or if it was a race issue? And it was probably a a little bit of both. Right, right. Because back then, the women weren't like that where they would just be like, I'm going to do it myself or whatever. You know, like they were, they needed that man to be there with the discussion. And they definitely were not business owners. Right, right. All right. So yeah, let's look at that next difference here. So in the book, we see Emma kissing... Prince Edric reluctantly to try to reverse the curse without any ulterior motive. And then in the Disney version, we see a masquerade ball thrown in Naveen's honor where Tiana meets him as a frog. And then when Naveen believed her to be a princess because of her costume, he asked her to kiss him to break the spell in exchange for the money needed for that mill that she's trying to purchase for the restaurant. So she reluctantly kisses him and then she turns into a frog. So what do you think, Rissa? So Emma originally shouldn't have turned into a frog, but because her curse-breaking bracelet was stolen by an otter, she ends up turning into a frog. Whereas in the Disney change, it's just, I guess it's the voodoo magic that that's really not how you're going to break this spell. I think it's kind of funny that they made it so that they assume that the princess has to kiss the frog to break a curse because of that frog prince. But since she wasn't a princess, it backfires and she ends up turning into a frog. So I think it's clever and it's easy for kids to follow. So they made it pretty flat and it was a linear telling because they introduced that theme early on in the movie with Tiana as a young kid and saying, okay, this is the basis. It's really intelligent storytelling here. And it's also kind of funny that Tiana is also an opportunist in here. It's really showing of American culture. What did you think about this, Nelson? Well, I kind of have some thoughts for Naveen here. I'm not really appreciating the fact that he's just assuming. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of made apparent from the get-go that Naveen isn't really the best kind of, like, inward character. He's just a selfish dude. And just because Tiana was wearing this, you know, gorgeous dress and she just, quote-unquote, looks like a princess, he just assumes that she is. So, you know, that's... Uh... <laughs> Not really a good thing to make assumptions just based off of appearance. And 
hopefully that was a point that Disney was hoping to show kids that you shouldn't do that. Because <laughs> obviously it turns out that Tiana is not a princess. She, she just so happened to be at her friend's party and when she does kiss him, I feel bad for her. It wasn't her fault at all. <laughs> And she get, turns into a frog. So it, it's unfortunate the turn of events for Tiana. But that doesn't stop her because that's just the type of character that she is. So from there, they both set off to find the real way to reverse the curse here. For the original book, I find it interesting. Like the otter stole the bracelet. Well, there's probably more details that we didn't really go over, but... Yeah, I don't really understand that. <laughs> like, oh, this otter steals it. I wonder why she even had that bracelet or the the whole backstory there. Oh, you know? so the backstory in that is the Gracina, the aunt of Emma, gave the bracelet to Emma so that she would not be affected by any curses. And the otter turns out to be an ex-boyfriend of Gracina, who was cursed by Gracina's witch mother. So he wanted vengeance or whatever. He took the bracelet because he knew that if she didn't have it and she kissed the frog, she's going to turn into a frog too. So that's why he did it. Oh, so that makes a lot more sense then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, if that's the case, the way how they each turn into frogs is very different. Yeah, exactly. So when I first watched The Princess and the Frog, I thought that when Tiana kissed him, he would turn back into the prince right away because, you know, I was like, oh, she's the heroine. If she kisses him, she, he's going to turn back and that's going to be a very short movie. And yeah. I was like, but then it didn't turn. It turned out she turned into a frog. And I was like, oh, that's a twist. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, technically she wasn't a princess yet. Right. Exactly. Even when they fell in love, whatever, she's still not a princess. Right. Right. Not until they got married. <laughs> right. I was like, ooh, this is going to be interesting now because she turned into a frog. So what are they going to do? <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at the next difference here. So in the next difference in the book, we see the Green Witch, Gracina, helping Emma and Prince Edric break the spell that turned them both into frogs. And in the movie, we have Mama Odie, who occupies the more traditional fairy godmother archetype, and she's not actually related to Tiana. What do you think about this difference, Rissa? It's definitely a departure because Disney wants children to relate Mama Odie to that fairy godmother type of character. It's more linear in storytelling, so children can follow along with that better. And I really loved Mama Odie and her character. She's just like that grandmother that you want because she's crazy, but also fun and kind. And she does a lot for Tiana and Naveen, and she really helps them out. I think it would have been cool for... Tiana to have an aunt that tries to help, but it's just her and her mom, and her having an aunt would have changed the dynamics of the story as well. So what did you think about having the Mama Odie archetype, Nelson? So the way I see it is that Mama Odie here is the wise person in the Disney tale that gives them the advice and help that they're looking for. That's a typical thing that I kind of knows that Disney does. That's the plot I don't want to say plot device, but it's just a method that they always or they use quite often to try and uh, help with the story. With the original book, uh, that doesn't really have that. Uh, or I guess it is pretty similar in the sense that they're trying to seek help from this wiser person, I guess. 
It's her aunt. But yeah, technically she's her godmother too by blood. But it's a different type of story because Mama Odie is this really old voodoo priestess, whereas Grisina is a witch, a mm. good witch, but she's still a witch. Yeah, so I guess the witch here for the original story, it kind of matches more with the environment versus, yeah, Mama Odie. They kind of more focused in that she's, I guess, a voodoo lady, but more in tune with the good. Yeah, <laughs> I the don't good know how spirits, else to put it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I liked how the kind of character that they made her to be, she was the funny, quirky, crazy lady. And, you know, she's kind of a hermit off on her own. I feel like this is a common storytelling device here with the sage master who puts you on your journey or helps you on your quest. With Luke, he went to go see Yoda. And then Yoda, he helped him out in his training. And then you have in Brave, you have Merida going to that, the old lady, witch lady, and then the witch lady disappears, right? right. And then you have this one where it's Mama Odie and she helps them out. I don't know. It's a storytelling thing that they like to do here. Well, it's kind of common with a fairy tale because if you look at The Little Mermaid, in the original story that we talked about, it was she went to a sea witch that wasn't really evil. But in the Disney version, she ended up being evil. We're just fortunate that Mama Odie isn't the villain in this because she could have done some more damage because she's also a voodoo priestess. That's true. That is true. All right. So let's look at the next difference here. So we discussed the bracelet. And we see here in the book, Emma wore a bracelet to ward off tampering from witches and evil spirits. An otter stole it, and when Edric kissed her as a frog, it turned her into a frog instead. And in the Disney version, there's no bracelet, but she needs to get the antidote from the Shadow Man and drink it before midnight. Otherwise, she stays as a frog. So what did you think about this change, Risa? So in this change, it really puts a timeline on the heroes and it gives that more sense of urgency for Naveen and Tiana that they have to do this as quick as possible or find a solution if they can't succeed in, in getting the antidote. So it adds that little bit of adventure more than in the story where there's still time. They just have to find the otter to get the bracelet and do all these other things, whereas in Disney, they're really putting these timelines because if you look at The Little Mermaid and if you look at Beauty and the Beast, there's timelines defined where there's the curse is going to stay there and you have to break it before it happens. Otherwise, it's permanent. Yeah, it adds a, another layer of tension. What did you think about this change, Nelson? Well, I was also thinking about the timeline that they put on it. Uh, it reminded me of Cinderella when they mentioned Midnight. Oh, Midnight, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're doing this again? <laughs> I don't know if it was a cheap thing to do for Disney to kind of add that timeline there, but to kind of reinforce Riss's point about adding that timeline, that sense of urgency with the villain. So it doesn't seem like that's something new per se for Disney since they've done it before. Versus the book, there's not seemingly any timeline that's just their end goal and like we already discussed earlier it was the there's definitely that difference of how they ended up turning into frogs to begin with yeah that's definitely the really big differences here i think we've discussed this before but i feel like the reason why they put these timelines in the movie is because it makes the movie more exciting and yeah. you have to reach the goal before the movie ends right right otherwise it's like oh no what happens it's gonna end in a tragedy or something but in right. the book instead of making it shorter they want to make it longer 
so that they have a story that keeps going and going until they reach their goal, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't put this timeline on them explicitly, but they make it just continue until they finish their quest, basically. Yeah, I think you have a good point here because with the formats of having a book and then having a movie, there's a set time for a movie to develop. You have to get past that act two as quickly as possible and get to that climax because after that, things just tumble after that. So right. it's like a race to that climax because once you hit that point, the movie's almost over. So with a children's movie especially, it's nice having this clear-cut goal with a time set because otherwise they could go on forever and you don't know. So with a book, you have that time to build more story, backstory, do flashbacks and whatever. So I think if they were to do a live action, they might change this. Who knows? Because they yeah. didn't really change it for Cinderella. There was still the midnight. Instead of extending it to a two-day ball, it was still the one-day ball. So, yeah, it would be cool for them to do a live action of Princess and the Frog because I would really love that jazz music. Yeah, that's a really good part about the movie was all that music. Even though, I don't know, some people don't like it. But it was good music, I think. Do you think they'd have a Louis character? <laughs> Louis was awesome. I don't know if Louis would end up being a, a trumpet playing alligator, but right, yeah. maybe they would have some type of callback to him. I do think there would be a lot of jazz in it, especially since it's set in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, they've done other substituted characters. And like, so for the live action Cinderella, they still had the mice. But they didn't. Yeah. I don't know if they gave them. I don't remember if they gave them specific names or specific characters. And then in the recent live action of Mulan, we didn't get Cricky, but we did get Cricket. Yeah, an actual a person. person. <laughs> so they seemingly did try and include some characters from the original animated Disney movies, but they did them in a different way. Right. So if they do do a live action princess and the frog they might include a louis character but not as we know it from the original animated movie right all right so now let's take a look at the next difference it has to do with the villain so in the book we have vanabi who's the villain who took over witch mudin's house and wants to use the two frogs in a potion to make her eternally beautiful whereas in the movie we have the shadow man voodoo witch dr facilier who turns Naveen into a frog to get him out of the way so that Lawrence can marry Charlotte and get the money. So what do you think about this difference, Rissa? I think it really shows the different motivations for these villains. Vonabi just wants to be beautiful because she's this ugly witch. She's ugly on the outside and on the inside, and she's just a wannabe witch that steals Mudin's place. So initially, Emma and Edric think that's Mudin, and they end up getting captured, and she tries to put them in a potion. But Facilier, he's just trying to get Naveen out of the way, and he didn't mean for Tiana to turn into a frog, too. It's just the curse rebounding onto her, so... So what did you think about this difference, Nelson? In all honesty, I don't really see too much of a difference other than obviously Vonabi being the villain here, which I don't know how long it takes her to get introduced. So that might be a difference there. But then again, you know, it's a story. It's a book. So it doesn't have to necessarily be introduced right away versus the Disney movie. And he gets introduced almost in the first half hour, if I remember correctly. So 
it's just the main villains per respective story. And I also agree that what Rissa was saying, how their motivations being the big difference here. Back to what I was saying earlier, it's, it's just so unfortunate how <laughs> Tiana ends up being mixed up in all of this. Because, yeah, Dr. Facili, I didn't even really... It wasn't his intent to include her. So it kind of just sucks <laughs> for Tiana. Right. All right. So let's look at the helpers here. So in the story, in the book, we have Emma's helper, who was a snake named Fang, who was rescued from Udin's house. He offered to escort Emma back to her castle after he's freed. His lover is known as Clarice. And then in the movie, we have Ray the Firefly, who leads Naveen and Tiana to Mama Odie's house to help break the curse. He's in love with Evangeline, the evening star. So what do you think about this difference, Rissa? I think it's um they wanted to choose a character in the Disney movie that fit the New Orleans setting more. And a firefly can fly, so it's easy for him to get into different places. And it's really easy for them to see at night because a lot of the scenes were at nighttime. So it, it was really beautiful for them to have Ray be in love with this beautiful star that he looks up at night wanting to become a star himself. It's a really great narrative of a side character that we don't typically get with these side characters. Like if you look at Flounder, he's just another fish. If you look at other sidekicks like Beauty and the Beast, we have Philippe. He's just a horse. There's nothing really telling of their backstory. I mean, Chip, yeah, he's a young boy that was turned into a cup, but there's nothing past the fact that he's just a young boy. Whereas Ray, he has aspirations himself. It's a parallel to the book where they changed it from a snake into a firefly, but Fang himself also had someone that he loved. And I think the difference here is only the type of creature, but it's a great narrative and a change for Disney itself to introduce a side character that had aspirations. What about Louis, the alligator? Oh yeah, he definitely had aspirations. He wanted to play in clubs in New Orleans. He wanted to play jazz. Yeah, definitely. But because he's an alligator, yeah, that's kind of an obstacle in and of itself. Right. right? <laughs> so what did you think about this, Nelson? So the way I see it is Ray here being just another animal sidekick. Disney typically does include a sidekick in the form of a, an animal buddy. So in this case, yeah, it's Ray the Firefly. And of course, we also mentioned Louie's also part of the gang here. But this is a very typical thing that Disney does. They have an animal sidekick. <laughs> Going back to the original, this is the animal sidekick for this story. So it's kind of uh, interesting how even in these older stories, how some of them, they also do have an animal sidekick. And in this case, it's Fang the Snake. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think one of the things about the reason why this book had an animal sidekick and more of those things is because it was set in the 2000s. So it's already a Disney thing. This is a factor where Disney's actually influenced the source, which influenced Disney. That's very true. Wow. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the book, The Frog Princess, you said came out in 2002? Yeah, the Frog Princess book was, yeah, 2002. Yeah, so that's well after lots of other... Disney movie. So yeah, yeah that could be true. Mm -hmm. Oh, this was influenced by that kind of same formula. All right. So 
Let's talk about the resolution. I know it's not listed here, but let's talk about the resolution between the differences between the two here. So in the Frog Princess novel, we see that there's a point where Gracina is not able to progress further into the swamp because of a hereditary curse placed on green witches involving flowers. Mm-hmm. And then they're chased both uh, Emma and Edric are chased by the dog. Edric actually gets chased by the dog and Emma has to confront the otter alone to get the bracelet back. So she passes herself off as a powerful fairy, performs some magic to convince the otter to turn over the bracelet, and then narrowly manages to kiss Edric before the dog catches up to them both. So that's when they both turn back into humans, and then the dog turns back into the horse that he was riding on to meet Mudin. So in the Princess and the Frog book, you see that um, they don't actually, they don't become back to their normal self until Tiana and Naveen are married by Mama Odie as frogs. And so since Tiana is now a princess, they both get restored to being human after the kiss. And then later they go back to New Orleans to legally marry and celebrate and open the restaurant. And Louis gets to play, gets to play and do his thing. So, Rissa, what do you think about the difference here? Yeah, unfortunately, we skipped over the full climax that Nelson usually likes to talk about. <laughs> so they did end up going to New Orleans and trying to break the curse because Charlotte is named the Princess of Mardi Gras, and they try to get her to kiss Naveen before midnight. But this whole mess happens and they fail. Ray ends up dying and becomes a star himself. And then the voodoo spirits end up dragging Facilier into the shadow realm. And and then the whole thing happens where they get married by Mama Odie. So yeah, I think it's a good change for this because the action sequence for the Disney movie is a lot more involved. The climax is way more involved than the book where it's just a dog and an otter and the princess does show that she has, oh, Emma the princess does show that she has some magic because she's related to witches and whatever. Whereas in the Disney movie, it's more relying on their wit and their cunning and relying on the help of friends. So it's rather than power within themselves, it's choosing dreams and overcoming hardship with the help of friends. And Tiana also ends up showing that she loves Naveen through their journey. And I like the Disney change a lot more because of that extra layer of action. And they end up understanding that, yeah, we might be frogs forever, but we love each other. So they're rewarded for their love and they turn into humans again. But I think something they didn't touch on was the aspect of how she was able to afford after he was cut off from his parents. Was there some sort of... um? dialogue with his parents saying, you know, I'm not going to live that life anymore. I married somebody that's not well off. How? Yeah, they didn't really expressly say that. But didn't he earlier on in the movie, like have some communication with his parents where they actually cut him off? Wasn't there something like that? There probably was. I've only watched the movie like twice. So oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, so I think he might have said something to them like, hey, I just got married to this girl. I'm settling down all this stuff. Then they probably didn't cut him off anymore, you know? Like, yeah. said, okay, here's a gift for you or something. So, Nelson, what do you think about the climax differences here of the story? You know, in all honesty, you going over the kind of the action sequence that was described in the Baker novel, I could see that actually being animated quite well into an action scene. Right. There's a chase. (laughs) 
I could definitely see a lot of fumbling over trying to get the bracelet back. So obviously it could have been some artistic changes here, but that would have been probably pretty interesting to kind of visually see. Yeah, but the stakes are way lower. Oh, well, yeah. So like what we were talking about earlier, there's a timeline here. So there's that sense of urgency for the Disney movie. So yeah, it leads up to that big conflict and they're fighting and even Dr. Facilier, he summons some of those. Well, he summoned them pretty early on, some of his friends to help track the two frogs down. So yeah, it just turns out that towards the climax of the movie, there's the conflict and it's just that big action scene. <laughs> like, and this is very true. I like talking about it. <laughs> this one part. <laughs> then that's just following the Disney formula. That's part of their storytelling. And unfortunately, yeah, we do lose one of the characters. But by the end of the movie, we see that he kind of gets added to the sky. And he's with his love. So that's kind of a nice payoff for his efforts and his sacrifice. Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's take a look at the differences in the morals of the story between the book and the movie here. So in the book, part of Princess Emma's adventure with Prince Edric is in defiance of the expectations that come with her royal title. When she decides to marry Edric over her betrothed Prince George, the lesson is one of acceptance. And in the movie, we see Disney deciding that the lesson should be altered somewhat from the traditional concept of overcoming judgment of appearances or accepting the different life choices of others. Here, Tiana learns to stop overworking herself and appreciate life's bounty, and Prince Naveen learns the reward of hard work instead of just coasting through life. So what do you think about these differences, Rissa? I think both of these morals of the story fit with their respective stories. It's really good for the frog princess to have Princess Emma, who is known for her weird laugh, to defy expectations and end up marrying somebody who is a lot better than her betrothed Prince George. He's this selfish kind of guy who has a nasty attitude and she falls in love with Prince Edric. Where Disney, they focus on Tiana's character of she's this hard worker. She's the type of person that wants to pull herself up by her bootstraps to get her dream. But she learns to appreciate the good things in life. Prince Naveen balances her out where she balances him out. So they're a really good couple where they show their strengths and complement each other as they should in this relationship. So the differences are purposeful because they're made for each of the stories it would be a little weird for disney to depart from that kind of lesson to follow and mimic the original baker novel because that's not the character that they built or the characters that they built rather all right so what do you think about these differences nelson so what i particularly see is that in the original baker novel there's a lesson to be learned but in the disney they provide two And one's for Tiana, the other's for Naveen. So I actually think all three of them are quite relevant. And I also agree that the lesson learned in the Baker novel is more appropriate for that story versus the two lessons learned for the Disney change. Those are appropriate for the Disney story that was told. So they're appropriate for each, but all three lessons, I believe, are good lessons just overall. Lessons to learn and try and act on in in IRL, (laughs) in real life. So. I appreciate that. And it's kind of like a two for one (laughs) for the Disney movie, which, you know, that's always a good thing. 
I like that in the Disney version, they have Tiana and Naveen kind of balancing each other out, where Tiana is the overworking type of person, where Naveen is the coasting kind of person. So he kind of rubs off on her, and then she kind of rubs off on him, and they balance, right? That's what I took out of the their moral there. It's like, you need balance in life, basically. Yeah. It's also a reframing of the unrealistic expectations of love. Disney really attacked that kind of trope with this telling of the princess and the frog because you see early on in the story, Tiana isn't really looking for love, but then she ends up finding it through this journey that she takes with Naveen and she learns about his real character behind all of that facade and his coping mechanism of being a philanderer and whatever. So it's a great story of showing or telling kids it's a good thing to find your compliment in life definitely all right so any closing thoughts on this story rissa yeah i think that the princess and the frog as a movie is a really great movie unfortunately it's so underrated tiana as a character is a really strong princess and i really really like her as a character and naveen is a pretty cool prince i mean he's not in the top for me but he has a lot more arc and a lot more story involved than other princes out there in the story in the fairy tales but yeah i definitely recommend the movie to parents to show kids what a true relationship should be with the balance of partnership and choosing dreams and helping each other achieve your dreams and that's what tiana did for naveen and naveen did for tiana so it's a really great story to watch and Unfortunately, it's super underrated and didn't do great at the box office. They blamed it being 2D animation, but I don't think that was the problem. And some of the music is pretty good. I'm not the biggest fan, unfortunately, of some of the... They weren't very catchy when I walked out of the movie theater. I didn't really remember them at all. That might be part of the problem, but it grows on you. So I definitely recommend this story. If you are a reader, I recommend the series of The Frog Princess because it's not just this one book. There are sequels and prequels. All right. Nelson, any closing thoughts on this stories? Yeah, so I found it interesting that it seems like, sure, there was definitely some ideas taken from the Brothers Grimm, but yeah, the Disney version in comparison was definitely more based off of this book series that was published back in 2002. So... I found that pretty interesting, even though that whole trope about kissing a frog, he might turn out to be a prince type of thing. That's kind of a trope that they've also made fun of in other stories, kind of like Shrek. Shrek. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a pretty interesting to see in Disney's take on this one combination or this original story. I do also think that Disney's version of Princess and the Frog is definitely underrated. I will agree that I've haven't watched it personally that much, but it is a good movie. And like I was also saying earlier, it's kind of a two for one. You get two lessons learned for both Tiana and Naveen. So it's one of the rare stories that you actually have the prince being more involved in the actual storytelling. And he has probably, in all honesty, he probably has the most growth in the movie. So I feel like, yeah, it's definitely a good combo. <laughs> Yeah, it's just unfortunate that what Rissa was saying, it wasn't that popular, didn't really blow up. I don't agree that if people were blaming it being 2D, but I think because of that movie, every other movie after it, they shifted to CGI 
because I believe that's the last 2D animation movie that Disney released as of recent. <laughs> yeah, theatrical. I can't think. Right. So, yeah, it, it's a kind of a shift in shift in technology, shift in times. But I kind of do miss the old 2D Disney movies. It's kind of a, a I don't want to say a lost art, but it is a, a dying art. So I'm also happy that anime is they've planted their feet in the ground and sure they do use cgi every now and then but still it's 2d so i do appreciate it's still around i do agree with you there i like the fact that this movie was the last 2d that they did for the big screen you know i wish they would do more things like that in 2d but they switched to the 3d and i guess it's sticking now so <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they think it has more to do with polish because if you look at their latest movies, we'll be talking about Frozen eventually. They definitely have improved their animation and they like the realistic feel, but it's still cartoony. So I think they are finding more ways to get creative in, in that regard. Yeah, I feel like the reason why they wanted to do the 3D is because they can make the worlds more expansive. And yeah. just really huge models instead right. of with a 2D where it's flat, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but with 2D, it has its own art form where it could be... Some things could really be expressed better in yes. 2D form. Yeah, definitely. Yes. definitely. So it's unfortunate that we're kind of losing that because it doesn't seem like Disney might ever go back to that. So it's unfortunate, but it's moving with the times. I do like how they ended up creating uh, Tangled, the series, in 2D. Oh, right, yeah. They also like changed the look of it to be kind of like a comic book. So Yeah, they're like reserving it for the television or right. series rather than movies. Right. All right. Anything you want to say to our listeners to close, Riza? Yeah, I just want to thank you all for listening to this episode. I know it's a little different because you're not as familiar with the Frog Princess book, but hopefully you were able to follow along and you were able to appreciate both the Frog Princess and the Princess and the Frog. I hope you enjoyed and please like and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And I hope you're keeping safe out there and hope you have a great week. Nelson, anything you want to say to our listeners? Yeah, so thanks guys for joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed yet again another Disneyfying story conversion comparing the two. There's still more to come, and I hope to talk to you again next time. All right. I'd like to also thank you listeners for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Disney Time Podcast. And on behalf of the other two, I'd like to say keep your watches synced to Disney Time. See ya. Bye. Later.